Our scripture this morning should be familiar to you because it was the same scripture that we had last week. It's John chapter 10, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 21. You might be wondering, why are we doing the same scripture twice in a row? Was it because Pastor Keith did a really bad job last week preaching it, so Mike's coming to clean up? Not really. Uh, we actually planned this months ago because we look at certain, certain parts of Scripture and we say, you know, certain things, we just need to dig in a little bit deeper. And Pastor Mike's doing a great job this morning of digging in a little bit deeper and taking the next step with this. So I want you to think about these words as, as we read them here this morning. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray for Pastor Mike as he comes to share. Lord, we thank you for these words describing our relationship to you and to one another as the sheep of your flock. And we pray today, Lord, that as Pastor Mike comes to to interpret these words for us, that you would allow our hearts to hear exactly what you would want us to hear in them. We pray that you'd fill Mike with your Holy Spirit and let his words be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. side of the sanctuary doesn't feel superior to this one because your slides are so much bright over here. Do you notice that? It's, it's not that. It's, we love you just the same over here, 
but we bought two new projectors and that one worked and that one's getting sent back. So hopefully at the speed of UPS or FedEx, we'll have a new projector over here because our bulbs are playing out. And so uh, that's what we're looking for. I have a couple of prefatory words I want to say before we go to um, the sermon and you're going to have to clap. I'm just telling you ahead of time, you're going to have to clap. Uh, yesterday was our all-church cleanup day here, and there were five or six or seven dozen people around here making it smell like lemon oil, cleaning up your sanctuary, cutting b- bushes and trees and painting stuff. So give a hand. This, this temple of the living God is nice and clean. Yay. So thanks to the trustees that ran that day and all the snacks, and there's probably a few of those left downstairs. Second thing I want to tell you, which is also exciting, and I think you're going to need your hands to clap on this too. And every once in a while in the church, a finance committee member will come up here and tell you really good things, and every once in a while we'll have to say, hey, things are pretty tight. I want to tell you that at the end of August, that's two-thirds of the way through the year, this church was uh, in the black this year, and so we have, ex- we have expenses less than our receipts, so yay us, right? And, and we are paying our conference's uh, greater mission budget, our apportionment, and so we're very excited, so we're even, and when you get through the summer, even in a church, you're a good church, so well done. And I want to tell you uh, one last thing, I want to have these guys put a picture up there for me. Um, this uh, picture is, that you're going to show you is of Kiboko Kiboko. Um, Kiboko, Reverend Kiboko Kiboko is our brand new district superintendent. Um, Kiboko Kiboko is thought well of across the Iowa Conference. Everyone knows him to be a holy man, a man that's after God's pure heart. It is very rare you have a pastor that everyone just simply says, oh, that guy's awesome. And we're thrilled to have him as our district superintendent. And we're also honored and thrilled that his installation service will be held in our sanctuary. It'll be next Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m., a uh, wonderful time in ministry. Uh, others from across the 88 churches that he supervises will be coming here and we'll be putting on our Sunday afternoon best uh, for Kaboko and him. And I, I want you to, in, to invite you back for music praise. And if you've never heard this man preach, he's preaching next Sunday. You've got to come. Pastor Keith and I both love to hear uh, Kiboko Kaboko preach. He is a man after God's own heart and awesome. So that's next week. Let's talk about today. <clears throat> Today, uh, as you found from your um, parchment-colored brochure when you came in, today's Confirmation Sunday. And so across the front, we have the Bibles that you're giving, the Life Application for Teens Bible that you're giving to the 8th graders. We have a cross and flame that's the emblem of the United Methodist Church that we're giving to our 8th graders that have gone through the confirmation process and, of course, um, their certificate. So it's it's a really big deal when people of any kind, young or old, come to be part of our number. And confirmation is that year and a month long process that we help train them. And so at the end of confirmation, I always have interviews with the students and I ask them to write an essay. Now the essay is 50 words. And when you start in eighth grade, 50 words seems incredibly long. But for some of you that send me emails, that's just one sentence. Okay. (laughs) But... (laughs) But to them, 
But to them, sometimes it seems incredibly long. And I remember getting an email or getting one of the essays back from a student a a number of years ago. And I said, that is awesome. And when I have a chance, I'm going to put that in my sermon. And today's that kid's day. He's in 10th grade now, but he'll appreciate it later when he hears it today. This is what he wrote. He says, confirmation means, because the essay is, what does confirmation mean to you? Confirmation means I choose to be a Christian on purpose. Think about that. Confirmation means I choose to be a Christian on purpose. You confirm your faith, which, you know, when you confirm something, it means you, you call and said, Did, you know, I'm coming, it's, it's me. And, and, and when you confirm your faith, and, and you do it on purpose. And so I ask you as the adults of the congregation, because there's going to be far more of you here today than the 16 students that are going to be sitting in these first few rows at our last service today. I ask you, have you confirmed living as a Christian on purpose this week, every day? Have you confirmed that? Have you confirmed living as a Christian on purpose every day this week? I will tell you this will not happen by accident. I know we joked a few years ago when we had one of our campaign about guerrilla baptisms. Do you remember that video? Some of you saw it where a poor person was walking around and some of our missionaries from our church came up with super soakers and soaked somebody and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. I tell you, we really don't do it that way. And if you do get baptized by that, that method, it's not Methodist. Okay? I just want you to know, I put Kaboko's picture on the thing. We're Methodist. That's not a Methodist baptism. You, you don't... Claim your Christianity by accident. There, there's no moment where you are standing in the, in the chili aisle at your favorite grocery store and you're reading the, the amount of salt in it and you're reading the sodium con- content and all of a sudden you come home and you say, whoa, I, honey, I was just in aisle four and, and Christ came upon me and, and, and I confirmed my faith. If you weren't looking for it, it's not going to happen. That's not how it works. This morning... Over a dozen kids, Pastor Keith and I will pull this, this kneeling rail out a little bit and they'll lay down or they'll kneel down and we'll put our hands, we'll lay our hands on them. We'll lay the, the parents' hands on their heads. The, the teachers will lay their hands on their heads and we'll say this word, these words. The Holy Spirit work within you. That having been born of the water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And the blank, of course, is insert your name here. So I'll say, and I hope you pray for all those 16 names that are on your your, your sheet today. But, but see, I'm asking you to say that for yourself. Could you say, Mike, the Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, this is on purpose with a purpose. And the purpose is in the word live. You want to live faithfully as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. These words are an invocation at your request. And when you came to be a member of this church, that invocation was made upon you. That, that, that you might live in the Spirit, that you might be part of the body of Christ, that you would live in and allow to be driven and shepherded by the God of gods, the King of kings, all of your thoughts and actions by Jesus Christ our Lord. Because Jesus says in John chapter 3, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the Spirit. That is why we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon those that have already been baptized. We ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit unapologetically, but that is part of our confirmation 
routine, and it's part of our membership routine because we want people in the flock of God to be Christians on purpose and with a purpose. And the purpose is to live for Christ in the world. You know, Keith joked, but I honestly believe this. I mean, I say this with some frequency. But last week you heard a sermon on John 10 by Pastor Keith Nestor. I defy you to go out on the internet or anywhere and find a better sermon than he gave last week here in this pulpit. It was absolutely fantastic about talking about how Jesus claims us for his flock and what the job of the sheep is. It was fabulous. It was wonderful. And I want to take it not in review. I don't need to review what Keith did because it was marvelous and it's on the internet if you want to listen to it. But I want to take it one more step because I have more time today than he had last week by himself. See, Jesus claims you for his flock. But be very careful about this. Be very, very careful. Our choice is to be in the flock or not. We don't have to be in the flock. Just because the shepherd says you're in my flock, you don't have to be in it. You can reject that completely. And of course, here in the church, we're saying, but embrace it. I want to tell you three things about Jesus' call upon you. Jesus calls us to be his sheep. And I encourage you to claim your sheepness, which might be a word I made up for this sermon alone, but claim your sheepness. Claim your sheepness. When you're called to be a sheep, claim it by Jesus. Now we say, what's that mean? Well, I remember a few years ago we were doing some little thing. uh, Little kids were around. There was a four-year-old and we were talking about one of the Lamb of God and all that kind of stuff. And I remember this little boy, he's like four or five, he stamps his foot, he goes, I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be a lion. I'm like, who doesn't? I want to be a lion too. Lions are cool. And for one thing, they have lots of hair. And, and then, that was personal, the way you laughed. They're strong and they don't need a bunch of help. Because if, if I say this, what, what is a lion? A lion is the what of the jungle? The king. And the king don't need no help, does he? He wants to be king of the forest, you know. I, sorry, that was a little Wizard of Oz flashback there. Uh, <laughs> we lost Pastor Keith on that. All right. I don't even know where that memory came from. But, but we all want to be lions. We want to be strong and, and on top. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus calls us to be sheep. And we don't want to be sheep. Because sheep are dirty and they're smelly. And they don't take initiative of their own. And they need lots of support. They can't live day to day by, by themselves. No one I've ever met says, I want to be a sheep. I'll tell you how prevalent this is. I did several Google searches this week to find out if any high school or college in all of the United States of America have claimed themselves as the mighty sheep, as their mascot. (laughs) Is any high school, any college, the sheep? Here's what I found. In a town called Camus... Their mascot is the papermakers. In New Brunsville's, New Jersey, their teams are known as the Unicorns. Freeport, Illinois, teams known as the Pretzels. I don't even know what you do at cheer for that. It's like a twister game or something. I don't know. But in, in Hoopston, Illinois, where one of my friends went to high school, 
Their teams are known as the corn jerkers. That's real. And in Yuma, Arizona, the high school there, Yuma High School, Arizona, their mascot is the criminals. That's where the territorial prison was. But not one high school in all of this grand United States, in all 50 states, says we are the sheep. And I know I'd have quit high school if we'd have been the Marion sheep. <laughs> or the Linmar lambs. I, I don't know how that had gone. And don't come up to me and say, well, Colorado State's the Rams. Rams are not sheep. That's not the kind of bighorn sheep's not what we're talking about. And yet, Jesus calls us to be sheep. Because it's what we need to be. It's the best thing for us. Why? Because sheep follow. Sheep follow. You know, Keith did a nice job last, last week of telling us how Jesus is our, is our shepherd. And the shepherd doesn't say, go over there. He says, follow me. Oh, sometimes he has to take us through perilous things. Sometimes there's dangerous things around us. But always, we are to follow him. And that's why he calls us to be sheep. And that's why we need to claim our sheepness, because sheep follow the shepherd. We need to claim our sheepness and choose Jesus as our shepherd. Second thing I want to tell you about this. Jesus calls us his sheep, and we need to embrace the flock. Sheep need a flock. There are rarely, if you ever hear a story about a solitary sheep, it's because they've been lost. They've gotten away. They're following their own path, and they're frankly not for long. You see, being included in God's family, and I want you to hear this carefully this morning, Christians. Being included in God's family is one of the highest, is the highest honor. It is the highest honor and the greatest privilege you'll ever have. You hear what I'm saying? Being claimed as part of the flock of God by Jesus himself is the highest honor and privilege you'll ever have. You might earn a scat of doctorate degrees. You might build an empire of millions of dollars and thousands of, of acres of farmland. But being a part of God's heavenly kingdom is the highest privilege and honor you're ever going to receive. You belong to him. And you're part of his flock. You're in relationship with the shepherd. You're in relationship with the great I am, the shepherd of all the sheep of the world. And you live in him. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things of, of, of a shepherd is he lives with his sheep. And as Pastor Keith told us last week, our great shepherd, our Christ, comes to live with us. And he abides in us. You read that. We'll talk about that later in John chapter 15. We live and, and have relationship. And not only does it happen here on earth, but it's eternal. If we choose our sheepness and discern that we should embrace the flock. See, not only are we in relationship with Jesus Christ, but we're in relation with all the other people of the flock. Now, we're part of this tribe called United Methodists, and I'm glad that we're part of that tribe. And our flock is all Christians on the earth and all those that have received Christ in their eternity. And so our flock is, is where we live and breathe and move and have our being. And, and I'll tell you this, because we're, we're in relationship because we're with the flock and we're of the flock. And it's our opportunity and greatest joy. See, being a member of the church means that you're a vital organ of a living body. An indispensable, 
interconnected part of the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 12, and you've heard me read this before. I'm sure Keith read it before many times. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Every cell in your body affects the other ones. Every cell in your body affects the entire whole. A number of years ago, before I came to Mary and I, I had a little thing, uh, you know, I had this thing, it's kind of gross, it was kind of weeping right back here on the top of my neck, it was, it was there and I, I felt it, you know, I'm a guy, so I felt it there for, you know, several months. And then I got to thinking about it, you know, and a few months later I said, I should go to the doctor. And the doctor looks at that and, and he says to me, he's looking at me and of course I'm laying on the table and face down. He says, you got a problem there. I said, okay, what's that? He says, well, you got this little thing here and we need to take it off. And I said, well, what is it? And he says, well, it's a little carcinoma. I said, well, when do we need to take that off? He said, now would be a really good time. I said, well, how does that happen? He's getting a scaffold together and all this kind of stuff and calling his nurse in. I said, well, Sabash, why do we got to take that off right now? He says, well, carcinoma, this carcinoma is drilling itself into you. And if you don't take it off right now, it's going to take off the closest extremity. I said, well, what does that mean where it's at right there? He says, well, you know, I said, that's not good, is it? It probably depends who you are, but we went ahead and because he knew that that little, those little tiny cells, I mean, it's this big and it was affecting all this. It was going to affect the, 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 the ability of all of this to keep going. And we know this is true. I had a, had a friend in our congregation named Clyde Hansen, and he got this little infection from a bite. He got a bite. He got this little tiny infection, and it, it ended up, I don't know the name of it. Somebody will ask me, but I'm not a scientist. But anyway, he was in the Air Force Academy Hospital for two months, and he couldn't move. He couldn't move. I mean, he didn't have any of his functions. And it was this little bite on his arm. And I came in one day and his wife, who had been, you know, holding vigil over him like you would, says, Clyde's doing better. And I I went in there and I frankly didn't see any change at all. But she grabbed his arm because he couldn't move it himself. And she says, look. And and there was starting to be healing around the bug bite. And, And the cells in the body, little tiny cells, you know, cells you can't see, had determined that they had enough strength they were going to turn that thing around. And within a couple of weeks, Clyde was home. And within a couple more weeks, he was, he was rehabbing and going back to work because the cells all work together in his body because that's how our bodies are formed to work. In the church of Jesus Christ, the cells, that's every single one of us, are to work together. The call of Christ is not only to believe To say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I believe that He is the Savior of the world. It is not only to believe, but also to belong. You you believe in Jesus because He has an individual relationship with you, and you belong to Him and to His greater flock because that's what He calls us to. See, we're called to be sheep, not goats. Goats like independence. They like doing what they want. They tear down everything. They do. They, you can't convince a goat to do anything. But sheep, they love community. We're meant for community. Because, check this out. You guys know the end of this. No man is an island. No man is an island. No woman is an island. No one can live the solitary life in and of itself. You know for a fact that if you're in an incarcerated situation, one of the most difficult 
punishments that can come on you is for you to be isolated, to be all alone for a long period of time. That's not only how they separate their problems, that's also how they break them down. We are part of a community of faith. And part of that truth is that we're just better together. We're just better together. You know, as a group, we're stronger we're safer, we're better. I, I had an example I saw this week. I haven't done this for about 30 years, so I want to show you an example. Okay. So imagine if you would, one, one of our young summer games pastors did this. I loved it and I remembered it, so I'm going to show it to you, okay? Imagine that pencil is one person. And every evil and wickedness comes towards that person and, and, and difficulty is coming around you, but you're by yourself. And those difficulties can break you in half real easy, Right? Well, let's say, well, let's get, let's get somebody around us. I, I need a good friend. So you get, you get a friend, and now there's two of you. And, and, and you know the difficulties are coming just like they always be. And you say, well, well I, my friend and I are together. I, these difficulties shouldn't break me, but they can. Now, let's say that you have a, a, a really serious problem. And let's get yourself a congregation. Anybody think they can? I can't even hold them all. You can't break a group. You can't break a flock completely. There, there's some, there, that's not to say that, the, that there's not pieces that, that are at peril and difficulty, but that little simple example shows us that when you're together, you're just better, you're just safer, you're just stronger. It's a simple fact of the matter. And hear this, Christians. I will tell you this because I know it to be true and I've seen it happen many times. Satan loves the detached. Satan loves the solitary. Satan loves the spiritual orphans. You know why? Easy prey. Easy prey. If you're outside the flock, you're in trouble. When you're outside the shepherd's care, you're defenseless. And when you're defenseless and powerless, you need to get back to the flock. Because that's where the help is. Christ calls us to embrace the flock. And that is the people of God. And thirdly, you guys are going to get out early today because I've planned this around eighth graders who will already have said, geez, Pastor Mike's talking forever again. <laughs> I shouldn't let you out early. I should just make you pray for 15 minutes at the end. But I've decided I'm going to have five more points in this sermon, Pastor Keith. No early in my vocabulary. You'll owe me minutes next time. Thirdly, Jesus calls his sheep to grow the flock. It's simple, right? Jesus says to his disciples, you know this one, Matthew 28, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make, those are action things. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Growth is supposed to be the default setting of the sheep in the flock, is it? Is growth the default setting of you as a Christian and as us as a congregation? We can say we're growing, but is that because things are working for the best or because we're doing something about that? Growth is supposed to be our default setting. But many Christians let personal insecurities, they say, well, I don't know enough about the faith. I don't know. Uh, and, and to me, 
this is always kind of revealing. Uh, I've been going to worship 30 years. I tithe my income to the church. I show up at the church cleanup days and work things, but I don't know enough about my faith. I, and I will say to you, yes, you do. You know enough to commit your heart and life to it. So you know enough right there. But a lot of people will let their insecurities say, well, I don't know enough. I can't, I can't tell people. That's because we're worrying about ourselves, not them. Worry about them. And we, we, we say, well, I, we let our fears, we say, well, I'm not perfect. If I start talking to somebody about Jesus, they're going to say, yeah, but I heard you say this cuss word over here, or I saw you do this thing wrong over here. Or they might say, they might reject me. Well, yes, they might. Because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. Don't let those fears, don't let those insecurities grow. Some people feel that, you know, you know say, well, I, I can't help grow the, sh- the, the, the flock because I, I just have this lack of initiative because the people I know that don't know Christ probably don't want him in their lives or they don't want the church in their lives. And so instead of having our default setting as grow, it's hope to grow. Well, we hope things will turn out, okay? I just want to take a side here. Many of you have friends that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the one who's calling them to his own flock. Many of you have friends who do not know the beauty of being in the sheep fold. And I will tell you this because I know it to be true in many instances in my own life. Most people who are not Christians are not adversarial to the faith. They just haven't had anybody tell them or show them conclusively with their own lives why their life would be better if they were in it. They haven't ever had anyone advocate strongly enough in, in their own living that, that, to say that having Christ as your, as your shepherd or being part of the flock makes their life better. And I would say that's the job of the sheep. See, Jesus grows his flock by action, not hope. And it's the action of the sheep, you and me. We must do the work of making more sheep. Because I'm not being silly here, but it is true. Shepherds do not make more sheep. Sheep do. Can I get an amen for that? I mean, it's simple, right? I mean, you look at the picture over there. You know, the shepherd makes no more sheep. The sheep make more sheep. The sheep are about the business of making sheep story. So, so <clears throat> I tell my confirmation students all the time, don't make this hard. It might feel hard, but don't make it hard. You know, making more sheep is not nearly as hard as we who are already sheep have made it. It starts with this. Know your Jesus story, your sheep story, such as it was, and tell it. Don't be afraid to tell the good things that God is is doing for you. Don't be afraid to tell others what the Lord is doing in your life and then help people and and this is important because you see it around you all the time you see people in whose lives the Lord is working all the time and they just don't see it and if you're in tune to the Lord and his activity you can help people see the Lord working in their lives you can see the work of the shepherd going on amongst them and you can explain it to them 
You can say, I, I know you don't necessarily see eye to eye with God, but do you understand that some of these things are happening in your life because the shepherd's protecting you. Come be part of his flock. Come be part of the eternal kingdom. And then, you know, bring them here. That's one thing I love about our church. Nobody's embarrassed by our church that I know of. Bring them here. Because what they will find here is that sheep, that's you all, like being with other sheep. You kind of like each other, don't you? You kind of love each other, care for each other. We start praying. I start seeing prayer cards for the same name over and over. I see people's concerns coming up. So, 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 so when you have someone, you know someone that is without a flock, say, hey, come hang out with mine for a little while. Maybe for a while they'll just get good music and, and, and handsome guys talking to them. But, 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 but maybe by your effort, one person might be added to the kingdom to the flock of God because you've taken seriously the notion of growing the flock. And once you grow it a little bit, you can grow it a lot. Because the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world and we are the church. There's not some big ethereal organization out there known as the church. We are the church. So if the church is going to have disciples made for it, It's a home kit project that we're doing. We're the ones that make those disciples. We're the one that go about all this work. And I, you know what, you've heard this so many times before. And and I tell you, don't make it hard. But do make it your work. Don't make it harder than it is. But don't walk away from your responsibility either. Don't make it more difficult than it truly is. And don't shy away from it. We make disciples of Jesus Christ for a purpose. For that great day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess on heaven and earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then I will tell you the transformation of the world will happen. Jesus calls us to be his sheep. Be one on purpose and be a really good one. What do you think? Should I tell those kids this stuff today? Okay. Thumbs up. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your call to be part of your flock. We thank you, Lord, that we have that ability to express our sheepness as one that follows you, that loves you, that depends on you for everything. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a flock here at Marion Methodist, and some of us before this, and others of us transitioning to new flocks as well. But there is a flock that you call us to, and that you love us in the midst, and give us the opportunity to be loving and supportive of each other. And Lord, we thank you that you give us every single tool we need to grow your flock, to make it greater, to pursue that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess here and there that you are Lord and the world will be changed unalterably and forever for your glory. In your name, we pray these things. Amen. Take a look at the video.
Well, what brought Kelly and I here originally was we were looking for youth programs for our kids. And then we met Stan Wearson, and uh, all of us thought nobody could ever take Stan's place yet. Every pastor that's been here since Stan has just been fabulous. Uh, so the the leadership of the church, and then of course we, we found a great church family. All the people here are just fabulous. Kelly and I both realize that everything we have comes from God, so we're big believers in tithing and uh, given to our church family and, and with our time and our, our finances, we, we believe that's the right thing to do. My name is Brad Ahern, and these are the reasons that I give to Marion Methodist. Will you please join me in worshiping God this way? Will the ushers please come forward?